0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been looking at the issue of justification these last few weeks,
1: concerning what it is that you and I can do in order for God to justify us, to accept us, to not destine us to hell because of our sins, because of our rebellion against him. And so, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this whole issue of justification. We spent some time looking at the things that don't justify us. You are not justified before God because of your actions that whether or not you do good things because the fact of the matter is is that the stuff that you do that is wrong far outweighs all the good stuff you could ever do. You're not accepted by God because of your religious acts. Just because you showed up here this morning does not make you accept acceptable to God. His acceptance of you has nothing to do with whether or not you attend church. It's not a question of how much you read your Bible, although you need to read your Bible. It's not how much you do. That Your acceptance with God has nothing to do with your religious acts. It also, he told us, has nothing to do with whether or not you keep the law. And even then, if you are lacking in one area of the law, you lack in all areas of the law. So those three things will not justify you. But what will justify you? Faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. Trusting in Him, not just a belief, but a heartfelt commitment, because you believe and you have faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. That brings justification. That brings salvation into your life. That makes you acceptable to God. So now when we get into chapter 5, Paul's now, and especially in these first 11 verses, is going to tell us what the benefits of our salvation is the benefits of our justification now here's the problem most of us when we think in terms of salvation think in terms of fire insurance most of us when we think in terms of being saved we think in terms of that my destiny is assured i'm going to go to heaven to be with jesus and that's as far as our thinking goes when it comes to the issue of salvation we see no relevance to salvation to our everyday lives. That's sad, but you see that the way people live their lives. They have that Jesus thing taken care of and they know that they're going to heaven, but as far as there being any benefit or any implication now for their life now and how they live their lives or how they act in this world, they really don't see it. And and some of that, can I be honest with you, is the fault of the pulpit. Some of that is the fault of the pastor, because for years we have stressed over and over the issue of getting saved so that you can be sure that you're going to heaven. And that is a byproduct of salvation, but that's not all of salvation. Salvation is not just making sure that you don't go to hell. Salvation is entering into a relationship with a living God because He made the way for you to do that, and that is through His Son. And so when we look at this chapter now, these first 11 verses of chapter 5, You and I are going to see very clearly that salvation has implications for us now. Salvation has implications for your life right now, not just later. In fact, let me ask you a question. Unless, of course, you're sick and you've been told you have a terminal disease, how many of you have thought about dying today? Raise your hand. Anybody thinking about dying today? Nobody's thinking about dying today. How many of you thought about dying this week? How many of you thought about dying? I mean, how many of you live with the reality of death every day? Unless you're in a profession where you deal with that, most of us think in terms of what? Living. Now the problem is, is that this is the reason why people don't want to have anything to do with your Jesus. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is the reason why they don't want to listen to the message of the Gospel. Because we present the Gospel in terms of what? What happens to you when you what? die. You, by your own admission, say you're not thinking about dying. Now, that doesn't take away from the reality of death. Death is real, is it not? But what I want you to see is is that salvation has more of an implication for the way you are right now, in your life right now, because I'm going to be honest with you, the kingdom of God is now. You enter eternal life the moment you accept Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to see here is, is that Your salvation has implications now, and that's what this chapter is going to tell us. Look with me at verse 1 through verse 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of The glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for the righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. Here's what we're going to do as we consider the benefits of our salvation, the benefits of being justified. We're going to take this passage and divide it into three different sections. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to first of all look at what the benefits are. What are the benefits of you and I coming to Jesus Christ? What are the benefits of you and I being justified by faith? Then we're going to see the basis for those benefits. Why is it that you and I have those benefits now? And then we're going to see the reality of it. We're going to see the reality that exists because of our salvation, because of the benefits that we have with Jesus Christ. So let's, the first thing we need to do then is look at the benefits. What are the benefits? And so we notice the first one is in verse 1. Notice what it says in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first benefit that I want you to see is this. We have peace with God. Let me ask you a question. As you look at your life right now, as you look at how you carry yourself throughout this week, the week you've just gone through, the week that you're ready to head into, As you think about work, as you think about your home life, as you think about the time with friends or with family, can I ask you, in the quietness of your heart, answer this question to me, does the word peace describe any aspect of your life? Does the word peace is there a sense of peace that is marked in your life? You've got to be honest with yourself. And if we were honest with ourselves, we would have to admit in this crazy society in which we live in today, with all the pressures, all the stuff that's happening, we have to admit what? We don't have peace. But what's Paul saying here? Paul's telling us here that because of our salvation... Because of the reconciliation that has taken place, the justification that has taken place, where I am now accepted by God, He says that we have peace with Him. We're at peace with Him. You're saying, okay, I understand that. I have it, but I don't seem to experience it for some reason. Let me tell you how you experience it. I'll give you an illustration. About nine years ago, I went through a very difficult period. A difficult year. Actually, I went through a difficult two years in my life where everything seemed to be turned upside down. Things didn't make sense and, and, and stuff was happening and, and life was chaotic. And so what I would do at night was is I would pray. In the midst of all the chaos that was going on, I would go to God and I'd say, God, I don't understand what's going on. You know what? God didn't tell me what was going to happen. Good thing He didn't. I would have bailed. But what he, would have, what he did was, is he in the midst of all the chaos, I had peace for the next day. Peace. See, that's the benefit of the, of the justification that we have with God, is that we have peace with Him. See, isn't that what Paul says in a letter that he wrote to the Philippians where he said this, be anxious for nothing. A good modern way of translating that is, don't worry. No, he didn't say be happy after that. He said this, Be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I tell you, that's the benefit of salvation. See, but most of us here, can I be honest with you, including myself, when we face the situations that we face in our life, when we face the difficult circumstances where life is just... It's like being in a vice. In my workshop, I got a vice. And the kids like playing with that vice. They like to put stuff in there and turn it and watch it crush stuff. And we're like that. We feel like we're in a vice of the stuff that's happening in our lives, don't we? And, And when you go back to that question I asked you, do you have peace anywhere, you just say, what are you talking about, George? I don't have peace. The word that marks my life is chaos. The reality is this. The benefit of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is, is that you now have peace with Him. The problem is, is you're not accessing it. You think you're superhuman. You think you can just handle the issue that you're struggling with. And you won't go to Him. Who gives the peace. Who gives the peace. So the first benefit we see there is that we have peace with Him. The second benefit actually ties into kind of what we're talking about here. The second benefit, look at verse 2. Notice what he says there. He says this, Through whom we have access by faith into this grace which, in which we stand. The next thing I want you to see is, is that we have a standing based on grace. We have a standing based on grace. Because you might be saying, well, it was wonderful for you to go and pray and talk to Him, George, and, and bear your soul to Him about the issue that you were facing, but God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. I'm afraid to go in His presence because you don't know the stuff that I've done. Hey, can I be honest with you? Remember what I said. It's not the stuff you do that gains your acceptance with God. It's what Jesus did for you and the fact that you trust and have faith in that. If that's true, then... Why do you think that you don't have a standing with Him because of the stuff you've done? You have a standing with Him that's based on what? Grace. Grace. You know what the definition of grace is? Getting what you don't deserve. And so, I can go to Him. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says that I can go boldly into His presence. I mean, talk about boldly. I can just march right in there and let Him know what I want. Think about that. I can just walk right into the throne room of God. Tell Him what I want. Because of your standing with Him, because of the benefit of justification, because He accepts you, because of your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you, you can go into the very presence of God. You have a standing with Him. You can interrupt His schedule. You realize that? That's the benefit. You and I have a standing with God. We have a standing with him. Now here, when we get to verse 3 and 4, this is probably the most difficult benefit for you and I, the one that we can't comprehend, so we're going to spend a little bit of time here. Here's the next benefit. I already know it. you're not going to like this one. But I've got to explain it to you so you can see how it is a benefit. Here's what he says. We can rejoice in difficulties. What, is he nuts? Is the apostle crazy? What, what, what are this stuff about we can rejoice in difficulties. How many of you look forward to problems? Anybody? Nobody here wants to look forward to difficulties, do we? But he's saying here now that because of justification, because I trust in Jesus Christ through faith, because of his acceptance with me, one of the benefits of that reality in my life is is that now I can rejoice in difficult circumstances. Rejoice in the problems of life. Now, how, how do you get there? Because, can I be honest with you? Most of us have this assumption that because I'm a Christian, I, for some reason, am exempt. Listen to what I'm saying. This is, way, the, this is popular thinking today in our churches. That I am exempt from the hardships of life. And when problems happen, the first person I blame is who? God. Because for some reason... We have been sold a lie. We have bought into a lie that because I'm a believer, painful things should not happen to me. Well, can I tell you the truth? First of all, that's a lie. And God doesn't have anything to do with the painful things in your life. The painful things that happen in your life are because of this life. We live in a painful world. We live in a world that's marred by sin. We live in a world that has sickness and disease because of sin going all the way back to the garden. That's when all this stuff entered into our world. And it isn't God's fault. Can I be honest with you? It's humanity's fault. And God's not the cosmic heavy in this situation. Can I be honest with you? God's actually the redemptive force in it because it's Him who reached down in the midst of our misery who provided us salvation. And and I'm sure some of you here today are are angry with God about something. You're you're upset because God allowed this to happen or God allowed that to happen or, or God didn't do something in that situation or that situation or this situation. God grieves with you. God's heart breaks with you. And one of the benefits of being justified, one of the benefits of being accepted is that now He gives us a new perspective of this world in which we live in. What do you mean a new perspective, George? Well, let me just remind you again. Everybody understand that being a Christian is not going to to keep sickness, death, and all the other things that are happening in this world to not come into your home, your family, your life. everybody understand that? It's not going to keep all that stuff. How can you say that, George? Because look, you're looking at a guy that's had death touch his life. Stuff happens. But what allows you to go on in life is that you realize that because I'm a believer now in Jesus Christ, because my faith is in Him, there is a benefit to it. And he tells us some of the benefits right here in the passage. Notice what he says. We also glory in tribulations. That is, we we rejoice in tribulations. What? Knowing that tribulation produces what in our lives? Perseverance that with every difficult situation that you go through as a believer, He strengthens you for the next stuff that life has to throw at you. It produces perseverance in your life. Notice then now what perseverance then produces. This perseverance then produces what in your life? Character. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. Think with me for a moment, because I'll just reflect back on my life. I'll pick on me for a moment. When I left home at the age of 19, went to college and was on my own, I thought I was the smartest guy in the world. But you know what? A 19-year-old ain't smart. Some of you look back and you think, yeah, I wasn't smart at 19. I had to go through the stuff of life. But it was the trials of life. It was the hardships. It was the pain. The pain. The suffering. The difficulties that we go through that produced the George you see in front of you now. It produced who you are right there now in your pew. See, that's what he's saying. The benefit is an understanding. The reason why he can rejoice in tribulation is that it produced perseverance in his life to be able to endure what was coming next. It also produced a godly character in his life. But then that godly character then also produced, notice what the next thing it says there produces, verse 4, hope. You want to know what separates you right now from the rest of everybody else who doesn't know Jesus Christ? What separates you from the rest of everybody else who doesn't know Jesus Christ is is that as they go through the stuff they have, the only thing they can look forward to is that one day they're going to die and they think that's it. And that's the attitude that is in our culture today. But for you and I who have been justified, who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ... We can glory in tribulation because we have a hope that one day there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. Because we'll be with Jesus and we long for that day. We long for it. So that's the benefit. You said you spent a lot of time there. Yep, I just wanted you to understand. Difficulties are a part of our life. And the benefit of the salvation you have now and the justification you have now is that it will help you through the difficult circumstances. Let me just go ahead and say this to you. God never promised to take away any problem you have. Period. Understand that. He never promised to take away any problem. But He did say He would give you the grace to see you through it. He would give you the grace to see you through it. But you've got to talk to Him about it. There is one other thing I want to share with you and that's the basis. Why are we able then to... Be able to enjoy these benefits. It's not because of you and because of what you've done. He tells us now in verse 6 through 8. Notice what he says in verse 6 through 8 of chapter 5. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone even would dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's two things I want you to see. The basis for why you have those benefits. The basis for why you have peace with Him. The basis for why you have a standing with Him. And the basis for why you're able to able to face the difficulties with an understanding that you're going to face in this life. Here's the basis for it. First of all, number one, Christ died for the ungodly. Because Jesus died for you. Let me just stop for a moment. Everybody understand, when we talk about the ungodly, that's you and me. Because before salvation, you didn't want to have anything to do with Him. You were in that class of ungodly. And the reason why we have those benefits is because He died for you. He died for you. See, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Christians today in our country have a problem. And I'm included in that. And the problem that we have, are you ready for this one? Is that we're not really appreciative. What do you mean, George? I don't think we truly understand, I don't think we truly understand what it took for you to have salvation. It didn't take much for you to get it because all you had to do was accept it into your life. But... We don't really understand that somebody else had to die for us. We can't think that. We don't think that way. We can't comprehend that. That somebody else literally gave their life for us. And it wasn't that they were executed by lethal injection or the electric chair or something that was that quick. He had to die the most cruel death that ever because crucifixion is the most heinous way to die in the world The most heinous form of execution ever. It's not even quick. It prolongs. And the reality is is that I don't think Christians today truly understand that somebody had to die for you. That the one you're putting your faith in gave his life for you. I don't think we appreciate that. I don't think it impacts our life that much, does it? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, let's be honest. Let's, Let's just be flat out honest with ourselves. How many times a day do you think about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Ten? Let's make it five. How many of you think about the crucifixion of Jesus five times a day? Three. Two. Some of you, I'm I'm glad, but two. One. Let's be honest. We don't. Paul says that the reason why we have those benefits, the reason why we can enjoy the privileges of the standing with Him is because Christ died for the ungodly. That's the basis for it. Why? And here's what he says. Notice the next thing he says is this. It was a demonstration of God's love. He makes a very good point here. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says this. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. He says it's pretty rare for some guy to give his life for a righteous man that's a good guy. And every once in a while you'll hear a story of somebody who, who gave their life so that somebody else could live. But that's rare, isn't it? It's rare. He even says this. He goes on and says, Yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. For a good man, we might. Somebody might do that. Some of you would even think three times, maybe not even think about it one time, to say, I don't think I'll do that. I like my life too much to do that. But Jesus, he says here, look at what he says now in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. You want to understand what he's talking about here? I want you to think for a moment in your mind. It won't be hard for you to do it. I want you to think in your mind, somebody that you really don't like. There they are. In 3D, in your mind. They're your enemy. Oh, I don't have enemies. Oh yeah, everybody's got enemies. Think in your mind, that person you don't like, your enemy. They're there, right? Everybody got it? Okay, nod your head. I'm thinking, George. Okay. Now I want you to think for a moment, if somebody said that you need to die for them, would you do it? How many of you would not do it? Be honest. I'm raising my hand too, not just as a demonstration. How many of you? Let's keep them up. Everybody look around. We were once the enemies of God. But because he loved us, he died for us. Doesn't that doesn't challenge your heart? It was a demonstration of God's love. Man, I mean, I love people, but I don't love them that much. But then I'm a fallen human being. God in His great love loved us so much that even as we were enemies, He would still send His Son to die for us. Now, here's the reality. Here's the reality that you and I need to grasp. Look at verse 9-11. through Notice what He says there. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Two realities. Here's the realities. Grasp these realities. Here's what He's saying is a reality. And this is a reality because He died for you and because of your faith in what He's died for you. The first one is this. We have been saved from the wrath of God. Let me just stop for a moment. I shared with you before many weeks ago that wrath there is not a term in in reference to an emotional outburst from God. God doesn't have emotional outbursts. But what we're talking about there is the judicial wrath of God. So like, for instance, if a criminal is sentenced in the state of Pennsylvania for stealing or murdering or something he is facing thus through the sentence the judicial wrath of the commonwealth of Pennsylvania. You and I were, before salvation, facing the judicial wrath of God because of our sin. And because of that, we were headed to our eternal sentence at that point was what? Hell. And here's the reality. Because of his what he has done for us and dying for us and because of our faith in him, we've been saved from that wrath. Isn't that an awesome thought? You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to have to face hell. You've been saved from the wrath of God. The second thing I want you to see there, he says this, and that is, we are reconciled to God. See, before the relationship was blown apart because of Adam and Eve's sin, but through one came reconciliation. The relationship was mended. The reality is is that now because of Jesus... Because of his death, there's reconciliation. The two who were apart, God and us, have what? Been brought together. We're reconciled. Isn't that an awesome thought? That is the benefit of justification is that we now have a relationship with him.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.